Welcome to the Pack Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Banwart. This is the podcast where we're going to learn how to take control of your health and wellness through fitness, nutrition, and mindset. Today, I'm with Coach Danny. We're going to be discussing the hierarchy of CrossFit movements, and we're going to be discussing pretty much uh, essentially what these foundational movements are built upon. And you have to think of them like building blocks. And this is where we start. And then we add more complex exercises on top of that once we establish a base. So Danny, can you just give us a rundown of what we're going to be chatting about today? Just kind of give us like a summary. Yeah. So to summarize, um, we're going to break down all movement patterns, right? In terms of categories, like category one, two, and three, like the most basic or the baselining, and then building your way up to the top and then giving some tips on where you should look at based on your fitness level. Okay. So, uh, we're going to start with the squat, right? I well, think the, or we, or do you want to say a few things before we get deeper think, into this? Yeah. I mean, you're in the right mindset. I think starting out with it, a lot of people should think about this. Think about a pyramid, right? We're going to build a pyramid, right? The base of the pyramid or base of a house should be strong, right? Or the foundation. Right. So category one movements that we're going to cover first should be your baseline. Okay. Category two movements, right, should be like the next step up. So once you put the base or the foundation of the house, you lay the frame out, right? Right. And then category three movements should be the most technical. The problem we see a lot in CrossFit or with generalization of any sport is we try to jump to category three movements right away because we think we need those the most. Yeah, everybody sees what the top athletes are doing or top people are doing and they want to automatically go straight to that without laying a proper foundation first. Right. And so what we're going to do here is give you that baseline. So we're like a lot of people ask us all the time, like, Oh, I want to get uh, a butterfly pull up or I want to get, um, better at squat snatching. Right. And we're like, okay, well, how's your, like we start, we always start with the base, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how's your squat? How's your, you know, straight, how's your pulling mechanisms, Right. And a lot of people overlook those because they want to get, they want to skip some steps and get to the end. Right. And and a very common thing we see also is that people try to jump too quickly to the advanced movements and they, they get really frustrated very quickly because they're not catching on when really we need to lay a foundation first. Yeah. Perfect. Let's go and do an overview of our hierarchy of movements, the movements that you and I like to choose to lay a foundation. So definitely it's squat for me. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Like you have to have squatting is, you know, just like how CrossFit teaches us, it's the most foundational movement we can do just starting with the air squat and progressing from there. Then for me, it would be deadlift. Um, and then after that would follow would be the pressing movements. Then it would be a pulling movement, like a pull up or some sort of a, a bent over row, something similar to that. Uh, and finally ending with a single arm and single leg movement to supplement that. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I, I think of it in terms like this, more like patterns than I would think of just movements in general. Like I mm-hmm. think of the you know squat, we're sitting up and down every day of our life. I think the hinge, like the deadlift, like you're saying, who are bending over to pick up stuff all the time. I think pressing is very important, right? If you fall on the ground, you got to be able to push yourself up. Um, either vertical or horizontal pressing is really good. We're on. Yeah, I mean, I like where your head's at. I mean, I agree with all the same... Um, lifts and movements you're saying but in my mind i look at it as patterns right like think about the squat pattern i agree is the most important we're sitting and standing all day long you know i think about the hinge pattern or the deadlifts right we're bending over picking stuff up all day long right um pushing pattern either vertical or horizontal is very important because if you fall you got to be able to get up mm-hmm. right or you got to be able to get something off the top shelf right as we get older i also like the pulling right i like like pulling in terms of two mindsets, um, body weight or gymnastic style pulling. And then I also like external load pulling, like the bent over, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. 
And then of course this gets a little bit more advanced, but I agree like the single arm modality or the single arm movements or, or legs or whatever they are, are very important in terms of like the next level up. Yeah, exactly. It, it would, the, I like adding in the single arm and single leg. Cause I really feel like it balances out imbalances. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, I mean, we, well, let's just get right into it. Okay. So if you had to pick, right. So the best way to think about this is category one, two, and three. So category one is your baseline category. Mm -hmm. This is where we want everyone to start, right? And so for me, the baseline category for someone to start with is the squat pattern. Yes. Would you agree? 100%. Squatting is something that you're going to be doing for your whole life. It's also like, I mean, it is the number one overrated thing. I mean, a lot of us sit and stand all day long. A lot of us sit a lot, you know what I mean? Like, but you think about getting in out of your car, getting in, mm -hmm. off, in and off the toilet, getting off the bed, right? You do that a lot. Your ability to do a good squat, right, um, with proper technique, even an air squat or bodyweight squat, is extremely important, especially as you start to age, right? So at any age, from children to, you know, um, your 80s or 90s, like the, elder, like the elderly, the ability to squat, at least our body weight, is very important. Yeah. So I feel like that's the number one place you have to start, right? So that would yeah. be like... Yeah, that, that's a good example of the first one, right? Yeah, and people don't realize how much just the basic squat will transfer into other exercises, like the more advanced things like a squat clean or, um, you know, a thruster or wall balls, all, all like the fun stuff that we like to do all yeah. starts with the most basic foundational movement, which is just the body weight squat yeah. or the air squat. And that's why it's the number one foundational base movement that you want, right? Mm -hmm. um, your air squat should be the best. You actually should be... In terms of like thinking about it, like the air squat or the body weight squat should be your most foundational, like it should be the most perfect movement. You shouldn't struggle to get your feet flat. You shouldn't struggle to get into like below parallel or at parallel in depth, right? That should feel the most easiest for you. You know, you know, if you're, you should be able to sit in the bottom of a squat for anywhere from like 120 seconds to about three minutes comfortably, mm -hmm. right? And I say that because that ranges based on, you know, age and gender right so that's your kind of baseline a lot of times people skip this and they're like well i can do back squat it's like it's oh it's i need weight to sit down there mm -hmm. oh i need weight to balance me out that no that just means you have an imbalance somewhere and you're ignoring the imbalance because you want to get stronger i think the number so number one by far squatting right i think the number two foundational one would be the hinge or the deadlifting one because i do feel like that gets a very bad rap um, in the, like, as we get into like corporate based worlds, right. Mm -hmm. It's too hard to teach someone the proper mechanics of a deadlift. So we teach them an easier way to do it. Right. You know, you, have you ever heard the term lift with your legs, not with your back. Mm -hmm. Right. All the time. That term was developed because companies decided it was too much money to teach people how to properly lift with their hamstrings. So we taught them how to lift with their quads. So essentially a lot of us do ham like deadlifts completely wrong. Yeah. Right. And we see that all the time. We see people come in who completely lack posterior chain oh development just because and, yeah. and everyone when they first start with us i very rarely see someone who isn't quad dominant yes i mean like well just by nature right because because we walk on two legs we're automatically quad dominant based on the nature of what we are mm -hmm. as, as humans as, as human beings right we are quad dominant individuals because of the way we walk it's just the way the body's made okay mm -hmm. so we're naturally at a disadvantage to have weak hamstrings right a lot of people have a hard time understanding the difference of like what a good deadlift should look like because of fear. We put a lot of fear in people over the last like 60 years of like, you're going to blow it, you're going to hurt your back, you're mm -hmm. going to throw it out, right? So we have fear going into it, A, which is a f 
fear is a big deal, right? Like right. You, you have to respect people's fear of it. I understand. And then the second part is we just don't have an understanding of what muscles we should fill with. You know, I have spent my coaching career of the last, like, I don't know, like five or six years trying to tell people how to deadlift correctly. You know right. what I mean? Like I've traveled in different States, traveled around the world and I've told people, I'm like, this is how you should do it. And they like, it's mind blowing that they don't know this. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, like, um, a fitness industry expert would be like, Oh yeah, that's how you're supposed to do it. But I'm like, you're not teaching that because you know, like it's too hard or they give up and things like that. So yeah. honestly, I think it's the number one thing. If you drop your keys on the floor, right. And you have to bend over and get your keys. They, that should be the same as you trying to bend over and pick up a thousand pounds, right? right. It, there should be no difference in the end of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. And that makes a difference as we get older, you see that degree, um, deteriorate down the line. Right. Yeah. So for me, that's like number two, because squatting is the most common pattern you're going to use deadlifting is the most underrated pattern that actually could help like develop strong hamstrings, develop strong posterior chain. That's going to help individuals move around really well. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say that I'm not, I'm not perfect when it comes to picking things up off the ground, even though I know how to deadlift properly and yeah. I can deadlift a decent amount of weight is yeah. that it, it's really, you have to be aware of it and conscious of it because th there are definitely times where I picked something up the wrong way simply out of laziness and I, and I feel it a little bit like, luckily I've never been hurt, but, right. uh, but yeah, it's just, it's something that definitely is easy to ignore, even if you are heavily involved in fitness and you do do deadlifts on a regular basis. I mean, I would tell you this, like even like something simple like that, right? If you pick something off the ground, okay, let's just say it's keys. You're not like constantly thinking, but this, that's okay because you're training the deadlift on your like one or two times a week at a moderate to heavy weight, right? Or on, or on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. So you're actually strengthening the muscle groups. Let's say that you never do that, right? Let's say you're a very sedentary individual who works nine to five in an office, right? You go home. Let's say like you have to bend over to pick up poop for your dog, mm -hmm. right? Everyone's got a dog, we pick it up or cat, whatever. Maybe you got to <laughs> bend over and pick it yeah. up, right? So you're, you're doing that. If you do that every day, that's seven times a week, right? You do that for a month. That's seven times four is 28. That's 28 times 12. Do you see how the math is adding up? You do that for 10 years. Now you've developed this pattern that's really bad. And now it's, you go to someone like, you go to a doctor like, oh, my back is really tight. I'm, I've hurt some muscle in my back because I've strained something. They really, it's, they don't know how to fix it because you've, you've messed up the pattern so bad. That exactly. You have to go through it. So that's why it's important for me like, to tell you guys, like a good deadlift can fix a lot of problems, right? Does, does it have to be heavy all the time? Absolutely not, right? That's your choice. Like a lot of people choose to go heavy, but it doesn't have to be. You know, if you're within you know, your like 70% to the body weight or like 70% to 100% of your body weight, that's a, that's a good range to be in, right? For very novice athletes or very beginner athletes and about body weight for intermediate athletes, that's the perfect range to stay in for the rest of the time. Now you can go yeah. more, but that's generally where you want to live inside that. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, everybody, if you found any of our podcasts helpful um, on fitness, nutrition, and mindset, I do have a small request. Please share this podcast with someone who you know who has a passion for these topics. And you know, maybe they're starting on their fitness journey or they're a seasoned pro who's looking for new insights. After all, we do learn better grow faster and reach our goals to when we do it together. So please click the share button now and inspire someone with the gift of knowledge and motivation. Thank you so much for your support. 
All right, Danny, let's move on to, we're talking about presses next. Presses yeah. is one of my weakest movements, and I'm... It's everybody's. It, it's, it's something that's very easy to ignore, especially in the overhead pattern. I mean, who doesn't like to bench, even... I was going to say. You know, everybody likes to bench, yeah. but in terms of going to a vertical press, that's a whole other animal. And, you know, there's several variations. You know, we have, the, we have the press, we have the push press, we have the push jerk, we have the split jerk. And we know that presses are crucial to developing upper body strength and power. And, you know, when you put them to work in tandem with our foundational movements, such as the squat and the deadlift, we can create some really, really effective full body workouts. So let's dig into the presses a bit. Yeah. So like I would break it down, like think about it as horizontal and vertical pressing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you treat it in that mind, because just saying bench press is a very limiting, I mean, think about the push up. How many people cannot do 10 push-ups unbroken right now. A there lot. So many people. I go but through they times probably, where I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, well, I mean, yes. There's, there's <laughs> some workouts that we throw in there. Yeah. But I mean, think about it. Like, that used to be a baseline test in the 1940s was to be able to do, in, in high school, you'd have to do 10 push-ups to pass your physical education class. Right. Fast forward that now, almost 100 years later, like, the average American couldn't even do 10 push-ups if you gave them a $1,000, right? So <laughs> it's like, I think we could find some people who could crank out 10 for a thousand I mean, bucks. <laughs> yeah, but if you, I, there's some people I bet you pull off the street, you'd be surprised, right? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then, so, but I mean, but they can turn around and go and do dumbbell bench press, right? Cause they've probably seen that on TV and they're like, well, I can do a dumbbell bench press and they can go into that horror. Like, so it's the same movement pattern just with, you know, body weight versus external load. So I think in a lot of terms like that, we're looking at things and we're having limited factors, but yes, so the horizontal press is important. The vertical press is very important. Just like you're saying, a lot of people can bench press their body weight. They can't overhead press their body weight. Yeah. Right. And that's a very like, or let's flip. They can overhead press their body weight. They can't bench press their body weight. Yeah. You, and, yeah. I mean, and that's very common to where you're biased towards one. Yeah. You're very biased. Yeah. But I mean, like working both angles of the press is really good because let's just say like in life, like, you know, like. Yeah, not all of us are ever going to be trapped in a fire or anything like that where you have to push like a wall off of us. But if you were in an argument with somebody and you're standing up and you had to push them, that's a horizontal press right there, mm -hmm. right? Yes. If you're, you know, um, grabbing groceries and trying to put them on top of the shelf, that is a vertical press mm -hmm. right there. So, yeah. yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been on a plane seeing people struggle to put their bags in the overhead compartment. <laughs> yes. And then United Airlines, you know they have a problem. <laughs> we learned that, we learned yes. that very quickly. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> Let's not get into that, but that was funny. That's a story for another yeah. podcast. But I mean, I would, so I would rank the, the pressing as very high. I mean, I think lower body posterior stuff and interior um, chains are very important, but also we can't ignore your upper body. The most common injuries in people are shoulder injuries, right? Like mm -hmm. back, back is number one. The number two is your shoulder, right? And your shoulder crater is comprised of four different elements. The pectoral muscle is one of them, right? So you have like your deltoid, your pectoral, your lat, and your labrums, right? That is your shoulder crater in a nutshell. It gets very technical once you get inside of it. But yeah. you need to strengthen all different pieces and all different varieties. So if you only bench press and you never overhead press, right? Or vice versa, you only overhead press, you never bench press, you're shorting your ability to hold off shoulder injuries later on in your life, right? Like not all of us are professional athletes who need it, but... We are people who do still use that pattern in everyday life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been a victim of that, too. I haven't had a serious injury, but I definitely bench more than I overhead press. And I know my overhead press or any pressing movement is weaker than my bench. Yes. And so when when I actually think I did it on a front squat where um, 
where I, like I, I tweak something in, in like my shoulder and it's just, and I knew it was because I neglect my overhead pressing and it's weird because, but when you think about it, the front squats in that same, you know, positioning, yeah. but you know, when I, when I went up to strain it and I was like almost like pressing up with my shoulders to lift up the, with the weight. And then, you know, I, I definitely strained something. Luckily I'm okay now, but you yeah. know, I, I definitely knew I'm like, well, that's an indicator that I definitely need to make sure I'm pressing more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, but like, it's also like a lot of times we think of exercise as like, um, a free time or a free thing. It's also preventative medicine, right? You know, mm-hmm. you should think about this as preventative medicine. You know, if, you know, if you have kids who want to play sports, right. And they're young, this is preventive and med- like th- this is a way of getting their body healthy and keeping them healthy to um, with- withstand the the brunt and the blow of sports, right? Exactly, you- it makes you just simply more resilient. Right. I mean, the, the the larger the muscle is, the harder it is to to, to break yeah. it. I mean, do you have to be like a bodybuilder? Do you have to be like that big? Absolutely not. You know, you need good mu- like good skeleton muscle mass attached to the bone, and you need to have good movement patterns. That's what's going to keep you healthy. So that when you get older and you get into your, your play span or your retirement span, right, you can do whatever you want and you're not limited like uh, by re- movement restrictions. A lot of people who make it to 65, 70 are very limited by their movement patterns. That's mm-hmm. what holds them back from doing yeah. everything that they've waited their whole life yeah, to do. Yeah, it's definitely that and definitely just muscle weakness in general. Yeah. I mean, muscle weakness is your number one enemy when you get to a certain age, right? So it's like... Everything you do to you, like to get to fifty five, is to hold back all that muscle. <laughs> You're like, I need as much muscle as I can, so by the time I get to fifty five, I can just do what I want. And then yeah, have a good exactly. Time. And especially as you age, it gets even more difficult to to gain muscle. Yeah. So pack it on early. I would say so. This leads us to the last one. I would say this is the the last one for category one to me would be um, a pulling as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, you you reference the pull up, right? Yeah, pull ups, ring rows, and then you know, obviously this would lay the foundation for the cool stuff like muscle ups, bar muscle ups, yeah, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so like bent over row or pulling. I mean, how many times did we reach down and grab the groceries off the floor, right? That's essentially some pulling muscles right there. You it's know? the deadlift of the upper body. <laughs> the deadlift of the upper body. That's a good. One. I mean, like. Our back is very neglected. I mean, our lats are like, you know, the lats on your body are one of the biggest muscle groups in the body itself. So that is a very important muscle group to work. You know, working the lats is very strong. So, you know, the pull-up is a very like prestigious thing. Like getting a pull-up is really cool. Getting a pull-up is very awesome to have. Having multiple Mm -hmm. pull-ups is a thing to brag about because it's awesome. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, but having, you know, bent over row ability to grab a barbell and pull about 70% of our weight with a barbell is very strong as well, too. I mean, yeah. th- they're they're just different. I mean, there's horizontal pulling and vertical pulling just as there's pressing. You know, a pull-up is considered a um, vertical pull, right? Whereas, like, um, a bent over row is considered a horizontal pull. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how many times have you been laying on the floor and you try to pull something towards you, you know, because you're just too lazy to stand up or go get it, right? Mm-hmm. So All the time. <laughs> It's just like, it's, it's realizing that you have to move the pattern in different directions and then you can't just, you know, bench press is really fun. We love to do bench press, but then if we're not doing the same amount of reps or more bent over rowing, then we're really holding ourselves back. Exactly. And I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people forget that for every movement pattern you do, you need to balance it because there's a push pull to everything. Just like a squat is a push, a deadlift is a pull. We need to make sure that both of those are balanced. And same thing with the upper body. We need to balance it between both a push and a pull. And this is why I, we specifically, at least when I work with my one-on-one clients, when I design programs is I specifically will design them to include 
And so if I have a vertical press, I'll complement that with a vertical pull because that's just easier for me to remember to make sure that I am balancing them out as much as possible. And then I'll take notes to make sure that they're to see which one is actually more deficient. So that way in the future, I know we might need to add a little more volume there if we have to based on it, whether they're either their push or pull is a little weak or off. Yeah. I mean, what you yeah, you don't want to create imbalances. You want to fix imbalances, right? hundred percent. So I would tell everyone like that's your base category, right? That's your foundational lane. If, if you're struggling, like, you know, if you're struggling to get to the next level and we'll talk about category two and category three real quick here in a second, mm-hmm. but if you're struggling right that right away, you should go through like baseline assessments. That's why we have the level up board at the gym. That's why we have the level up method for you to look at and go through and go, okay, start on this one side. Okay. I want to get to beta, right? Because we do it all by wolf stuff, right? So I'm gonna get to beta. Well, I'm a pup now. How is my pup stuff? Can I do all of these, right? We overlook it because we've been doing fitness for such a long time that we're like, can you do 30 unbroken air squats? Exactly. Without stopping? It's really easy also just to forget yeah. like where, where you're at on certain things, just because it's like, I mean, there's so much stuff to know. And then on top of that, on top of having to know all these movements and all these different exercises and workouts, it's hard to keep track of also, am I balanced between all these workouts? And what Danny's referencing is we have a board at the gym at Red Wolf CrossFit to where we have different categories, uh, like a hierarchy of like a ladder that you can climb to achieve higher levels of fitness. But then there's all these different categories on there to where you can, um, to where you can see, it's all right, to where you can see different, uh, uh, different progressions. And basically what happens is it, it kind of exposes to where, you know, you're have some strength. So let's say that there's, you know, like a barbell squat and then, you know, there's a, there's a ring row. So once you achieve those and all the other categories, you can move on to the next and it just allows us to see what is, what needs to be done more of and what you were already good at. It's a very yeah. easy, quick reference point to just let you know where you're at. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, it, it's a good ga- a gauge for all of us to look at. So this takes us over to, let's go to category two, right? So now we got the base foundation right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, category two movements, I would put it this way for a lot of people is, Think about it in terms of more explosive, right? Or more unilateral to single lateral stuff, right? So what I mean by that, the box jump, right? So now anything jumping and landing, right? This is also where like running would actually come in, right? So if let's say running, you're a bad runner. Like, I mean, I hate running. I'll be honest with you. You know, I was a marathon runner for 10 years. I did it. All the cool races, I did triathlons, did ultra marathons. I get it. It's, I understand the addiction of running, mm-hmm. but running, you don't get better at running by just going and running. No, right? like, you definitely don't. So like running, Contrary to proper, yeah, popular belief. Running is actually a pretty advanced move. You're picking one foot up and landing with one foot in a very like explosive and like very drastic movement, right? So if you have a hard time running and your calves or ankles are giving out, guess what you should be, guess what you should be doing to strengthen yourself? You should be doing squats. Mm-hmm. Right, you should be doing hair squats, body or um, weight, weighted squats at some point to strengthen those muscles. Right, I understand the, the cardiovascular system that you're talking about, but that's also like that's what's going to give you the base. Okay, so running is a great example, right? Um, box jumping, right? Any kind of like broad jump or bunny hops or jump rope, right? Those are category that's a category two. So, any kind of jumping or landing would be kind of the first category mindset to have right there, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, I think the second one would be a good example would be explosive movements now, like Olympic lifts, right? Adding in the Olympic lifts. Yes. Yeah. So like if you're clean, if you're learning how to clean and you and your deadlift and your squat aren't great, guess what? Your clean is not going to make sense. Yeah, right? exactly. You're not going to be able to understand how to clean. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's why, like, I know for us, when we do our fundamentals with um, or our ramp up for new clients coming in, they go through a squat, a press, a dead, right? And then different variations. They go through at least three different variations of squats before we even get to how to clean. Mm-hmm. Because it's just building a baseline so they understand, so it makes sense. Exactly. Right? And even when we do start introducing the Olympic lifts, we're, in, we're, we're not necessarily introducing them to where... We're like, we're going to go hard at these and you should be able to do them effectively. And this is going to give, give you significant gains. We're just introducing them to you. So that way down the road that you're familiar with them. But we, we, even with our newer people, we definitely like to stick with our hierarchy of movements and making sure that even once they do graduate our ramp up program, that they're still squatting, deadlifting and pressing a lot and frequently. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into these category two movements, right? Um, I would also throw in like, you know, kipping right? Kipping movements of like the thing about toes to bar, think about kipping pull-ups, um, think about kipping handstand push-ups, right? Like the kip is designed to help you get higher volume, but it, it won't work if you don't have a base to go with. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? If, if you only did sit-ups your whole life and you weren't really working through the progressions of a toes to bar, when you get on the rig and you're trying to do a toes to bar, you're never going to figure it out. Yeah. You it's a whole go, other animal. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the first example I can think of. The same with, you know, pull-ups. We give up, we abandon the ability to train strict pull-ups to go to the kipping pull-up mm-hmm. because it's like, it's sexy. And then we, we spend about a second working kipping pull-ups and we try to go to butterfly because butterfly looks so sexy and it's one of the things we want, but we, we don't understand the base. And some people can pick up butterfly like really quick, but they're, and then I'm like, well, do kipping instead. And they're like, I can't. Yeah. It's like, okay, now you just made a deficiency to try to get Exactly. Speed. And also I think a lot of people think that, you know, just that... I, I hear this a lot that people think that it's their technique that they need to work on and not their strength. Right. And it's oh their strength God. because it, the, the problem is also is that even if you are strong enough to learn these movements, the issue is, is that you don't have the strength to repeat the, the, the drills for long enough because you don't have the muscle endurance to handle it. Yeah. So how do we build the muscle endurance to handle it? We have you do more reps on strict movements. That I mean, builds a base and it builds up your tendons and ligaments as well to prevent injury from the velocity of the kipping movements. I mean, anyone who knows... Anyone who has worked with Caitlin and her build and build, build and burn program, she will make you do one to two reps, 20 to 30 times, right? Multiple segments in a day to help you learn how to build volume, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't care if you're like, well, my goal is to do 15 bar muscle ups unbroken. She's like, we're going to do 20 sets of one bar muscle up on the minute, every minute, and they're going to be perfect. And you're like, exactly. <laughs> it seems counterintuitive, <laughs> right. but it, that is actually how you build. But that's how you, that's, that's how you build and it works. It's a proven thing that goes into it. But a lot of times we're like, well, I can do two. I can do three. I get, and then they, they do that for one or two minutes and they're like, I can only do one. I can't do any. Now I'm done. Right. Exactly. And they yeah. can't foresee how far, like how much base building they're going to do later down yeah. the line. And don't get me wrong. Like more definitely is better, but more in a disciplined and controlled setting. That's what makes it better because you just can't say like, well, I'm just going to do a hundred pull-ups and it's going gonna, it's gonna to work itself out. That's not necessarily true that there's different progressions and sets, rest, and, and um, tempo that will increase your ability to sustain longer. Yeah. It's all part of the plan, but, I mean, it all goes back to the base. So this is just think about adding in that next level. So I would, 
you know, category two, right? Obviously jumping and landing. So like running, jumping, you know, jumping squats, uh, box jumps, jumping lunges, things like that. Uh, that's all part of it. You know, even the baseline, the clean and the snatch could even go in there too. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I would say like, you know, the kipping or the next level of gymnastics, even the muscle up I would put in here because ring or bar, like you still need a kip base to do it. Yeah. To get in there. And you, you need know. a strong pull to be able to get it. Yeah. You need a strong pull. If it's a ring muscle up, you need to work on the dip and your chest cavity opened up. So a lot of people are like, well, I want muscle up. So well, how's your strict pull up? Uh, it's not great. Well, let's start there first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then work through it. And then I would say the next one, you know, the third one here would be for this base would be, you know, a uh, single leg or single arm modality lifts, right? Mm-hmm. So think about the single arm snatch, right? The alternating dumbbell snatch. Uh, think about, you know, lunging in general. Lunging, yeah. Right? Any kind of single leg movement, split squats. Yeah. A lot of times we skip the air squat and we go into lunges because they're body weight mm-hmm. or their body movement. And we don't realize that maybe, you know, like the client could or the athlete could have tight hip flexors. They could have, you know, limited posterior chain, right? That's going to cause their ankles to not be able to support their ability one-legged. So we try to skip them. We're like, oh, just do lunges. It'll be easy. There's a reason lunges are categorized in the second category, not the first, because they are not a basic movement, just like running. Mm -hmm. You're picking one leg up. You're balancing on the other. You have to have control. There are people in this world who cannot do that. Yeah. I know it seems so simple for a lot of us, but there are people who physically can't pick up one leg and step forward. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the balance and control yet. Yeah. And when we squat, you know, you're teaching them the basics of stability. And then once you establish a stability baseline, then you can move into single leg movements because I do like, this is very common too, that I see with any clients that I've worked with is that if I have them do single arm or single leg things way too early, you know, depending on their ability level, it, it, it can be very unstable to say the least. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing in sense in terms of that is you're creating a deficiency now that might not have been there. And if it was there, you're uh, making it worse. Mm-hmm. You're, you're expediting it to make it worse. So then you have to like go back and retrain the body. So like, you know, like single arm bench pressing, we do single arm dumbbell presses all the time just to single draw arm dumbbell rows yeah, yeah. to draw awareness that one side is weaker than the other. Mm-hmm. And you get that you know, when you do a double arm row, you have the ability to compensate from both sides, even yes. though you might not realize it. Yeah. When you do a single arm dumbbell row, you realize that, oh man, one side is definitely yeah. not the same. It definitely exposes it very quickly and it gives you more body awareness. Yeah. And so it draws awareness to that piece. So like if you're having struggles in there, it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Maybe you have to go back to a baseline and reset the baseline to check it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I think my last category two one would be targeted stuff. So like the wall ball, right. Or like, um, throwing, like, you know, we do med ball slams or things like mm-hmm. that. Like now actually just adding to, even more velocity to right. it. That's just, you know, us launching the velocity inside of it and actually having to hit a target. You know, a wall ball is not, I mean, it's an easy task now because we've been doing wall balls for so long, but the first time you do a wall ball and you're like, Hey, hit this nine foot target. You're like, uh, okay, I'll try. <laughs> it's really tough. There's a lot of people who struggle with that right away. I mean, yeah, because now you're asking your body to fire all these different muscle contractions very quickly and combining it all into one movement. That's why people get so confused or the nervous system has a hard time learning the Olympic lifts because now we took something basic to where, you know, it's just a squat, you know, it's one section. Now we're adding in all these different elements and you have to fire all these muscle fibers all at once to move a barbell quickly. Yeah. So it takes a lot of practice, takes a lot of time, and that's why and takes strength too and muscle endurance, which is why we have to establish a baseline first. Yeah, it, it's very true. I mean, and then the more complex the movement, the harder it's going to be for you too, right? Yeah. All right, so that leads us to our final one here, which is category three. Category three is very sports specific, I would say, 
right? So this is the one, you know, that is super high technical that is going to require the most amount of time in your body, right? And in my mind, the snatch falls in this category for sure. It's the first one that comes to my head. Mm -hmm. Nothing is more technical than learning how to snatch. You can definitely pick up a clean really quickly. Mm -hmm. A snatch is definitely going to take a lot of time for you oh, yeah. in terms of where it's at. I love the snatch because it's so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> It's really one of the higher difficult ones. I would say the jerk would fall into this one, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you're not pressing. It's a mix between press and snatch. It's the in-between. Yeah, so exactly. Like the concept is out of your head, right? Exactly. And it requires so much, you know, it requires strength, power, agility, speed, yeah. timing. Like all these, like so many things have to fire together to make this lift work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... I mean, everything you just said, that's what category three would go with. Mm. So that, to me, that's like, that's where your butterfly pull-up would fall into. A lot of us want to do that butterfly pull-up. Yeah. You're just pretty much kitchen sinking. Like, how can we make our body as confused as possible and make it look smooth? You know, I actually would tell you, this is like where the handstand walk kind of falls into place here too. Yeah, because, I would definitely say that. Because I mean, hand, handstand push-up, you can definitely figure it out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, flipping upside down and doing a handstand hold, I would say category two, but doing a handstand walk would definitely be category three. You yeah. know what I mean? Because now we're not sitting still. We're having to actually put movement. Mm -hmm. And now we're having to do like multiple um, areas of contact. So it's not just my shoulders that have to be in contact and move. I have to have my core tight. I have to have my posterior or my glutes tight. You know, there's just all these different moving factors. So it's very complex. So, you know, but some people pick it up really quickly. You know, some people come in, they're like, oh, handstand walk's really easy. And I can't do a handstand push-up. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way back to the beginning, right? Yep. We got to do the base form. Yep. So I would say that's like more sport specific when you get into category three. Those are the things that are sexy that everyone really goes after right away. I mean, I think about the kettlebell work, right? Like um, you see all the kettlebell movements and things like that. Like an American kettlebell swing is pretty technical mm -hmm. from where we're at. And if your posterior chain and your hinge pattern is not great, your kettlebell swing is not going to make it. Nope. Right? So it's one of those higher tier things to kind of yeah. think about. That Even we, though it doesn't look like it, it is. It's very simple. I've seen so many people get hurt on a kettlebell swing because they've overextended their back in the wrong mm -hmm. direction or they haven't put enough um, power in their hips and their feet to um, get the drive going and they've wind up causing some pain right yeah um one of the other ones i would think here too is think about change of direction so th like i know this is going to sound and everyone's gonna be like what like the shuttle run mm -hmm. like stop like sprinting as hard as you can coming to a complete stop turning around and doing and it redoing over. it again i hate <laughs> like, shuttle run so much but if you think about it you're like well show how's shuttle run sport specific well what's baseball hard sprinting to one area and then have to if you're in the outfield or the infield you're hard sprinting to a ball you're dead stopping trying to grab the ball yeah and then redirecting and then redirecting and then trying to like i mean you might even have to try to throw out of that like oh, you yeah. know oh I mean? you do have to throw it <laughs> but i mean like that is like such like that is another volleyball right going from left to right extent like explosively then leaving your feet off of like an imbalance to one side to make contact with something mm -hmm. you know same as basketball soccer so that's what i mean by like sport specific and there are movements that get to that that we just that you see nowadays like you're like well that's you know like the skier right like um ski lunges that's where you go from left to right with a curtsy lunge right mm -hmm. and you're exploding going like yeah this is easy this is how i get in shape it's like that's also a good way of getting something to hurt if mm -hmm. you don't have a great baseline exactly so you don't want to start at the top you start at the bottom and build your base up exactly and injury, injuries always happen just because of the lack of building a base or the yeah. lack of especially the lack of building a strength base specifically yeah i mean i would just to summarize here to wrap everything up for everybody right you know category one movements that's your baseline right those are your base movements right squats the deadlift the bench press 
those are your, that's what's going to require the most basic movement principles. And that's a good place to start, right? The, the more advanced we get, then we go to category two. Now we're adding some different aspects to it. That should be like the next step, right? That's the kipping phase. That's the jumping phase, right? Those are the areas that like we need to get to like that we want to live in. Right. Mm -hmm. And then category three is your sports specific stuff. That's when like it, it gets really technical. The more technical it is, right. The better the baseline you need to get into. Yeah. hundred percent. No, that was great stuff, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us about it. We, it's, it's definitely a, a, a something that's very easy to forget, especially, you know, when you've been doing CrossFit for a while. So, yeah. So to understand the hierarchy of movements is to understand the philosophy of CrossFit better, just in an, of, its, of itself. And each level of the hierarchy represents a different facet of physical capability and the, comp the complexity of movements increase as we ascend in our fitness journey. Thank you so much for listening. If this was helpful, please leave us a five-star review so we know to make more content like this. Follow us on social media at Red Wolf CrossFit and feel free to send us your questions there. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, good luck. Have fun. Nailed, Nailed it. it.